Yo, we're getting ready to explode in this motherfucker. We got USA. I'm New Jersey. We got Sean in the Louisville area. But we're going way across borders now. We've been doing it with our man Rafe, but tonight we got a superstar up in this bitch. He's coming to America pretty soon. We're going to talk about that all tonight. It's Deathmatch Superstar, the smash hit, Joel Bateman. What's up, Joel? You can't see me doing the Zandig pose. This is an audio medium, oh. but that's always <laughs> what I hit when I get announced by my best friend here at DMDU. Uh, good afternoon. It's uh, it's currently, well, I think we worked it out. It's like, yeah, half past one Wednesday afternoon, uh, Australian time. So it's super cool. I haven't done a podcast in a minute, so it's super cool to be chatting with you guys. And uh, hopefully we get to do this, like you said, in person in just under a month in like fucking two weeks. Yeah, man. Uh, we, uh, yeah, absolutely. I cannot wait uh to for you to get over here to america and you know just for you to get in the ring with some of our guys uh but you know and that's like jeremy said that's something we'll get to but so glad to have you here man uh you know we we tried to make this happen a long time ago uh and uh i'm real excited to talk to you i've been getting caught up and as i was telling you off the air i feel like i'm late to the party when it comes to not just like you but deathmatch down under and everything of course my buddy struggles uh you know and and uh who's somebody that you guys have worked with quite a bit um mm-hmm. and also rafe <clears throat> excuse me has put you guys over to the moon and uh and i'm i'm super late to the party but uh really really excited to get this conversation going so glad to have you happy to be here man hell yeah and joel i mean I certainly want to go back with you and talk about all of your backstory. But first, man, let's just let's not get off the trip to America because that that's exciting, man. And you've got you've got some serious matches coming up. Uh, first, I want to talk to you about the bulldozer Matt Tremont, man. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I saw some of your promos and stuff and there's history there, man. That's dope. So talk about that a little bit. What is the history with you and Matt? Well, yeah. So Matt and I have known each other pretty much since Matt came on the scene. That that one Carnage Cup that he did, where him and Pinky went to the finals. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think it was like second Carnage Cup, and I reached out to him. I I think it was on very early Facebook and said, "Hey, man, uh, really like your work. Uh, let's chat and hang out." I think I did a T-shirt design for him, stuff like that. Oh, wow. But that that was kind that was kind of like as Matt was starting to take off, and, and like we bonded and we hung out and stuff like that. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is this is my second trip to the U S because I was coming over in 2013, uh, and Matt had organized for us to wrestle in a tournament, um, who shall remain nameless. I'm not going to bury them. Um, but he'd organized for us to wrestle first round of this tournament. It was a relatively prestigious tournament. And that year it didn't take place because the promoter felt like being a scumbag, but I'd already booked my flights. Uh, I was flying into New York and I was there for like three weeks and I was like, fuck, I'm now coming all the way to the U S and I don't have a booking. Um, but so I sent emails to like every indie up and down the East coast from like the bottom of Ohio, like all the way up to Canada. And the only two places that got back to me were IWE in Maine. Mm. Um, their main claim to fame is it's the place where Sasha Banks started. Oh, wow. Yeah, run by the Heyman, uh, Ricky Johnson, uh, Johnny Miyagi's out of there. Uh, okay. Johnny Torres, like that no. kind of endangered kid, that that kind of uh, yeah. crew. And then yeah. CZW got back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I saw you in front of the ECW arena on one of your promos. 
Yeah, so DJ got back to me um, and said, hey, we've got a really good relationship with Australians because they'd had a bunch of Aussies come through not long before then, Ryan Eagles and uh, Madison yeah. uh, especially. Sure. Um, and said, yeah, come and train and be our guest. So I was staying at a hostel in Philly and spending every night at the CCW school, which at the time was across the road from the arena. Mm. And like, who was in my class? Like Frankie Picard from oh. H2O. He just yeah. started wrestling. Like he hadn't had any matches or nothing. He was still learning how to take bumps. Uh, Latin Dragon, Kid Osborne. Nice. Um, wow. guy, yeah, guys like that. It was super, super cool. Um, and Gulak and uh, DJ were the trainers. So, because this is obviously pre uh, Cruiserweight Classic kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. Gulak was still the guy. And yeah, like, so I was in there uh, every single night um training but the the end of the tour was this ECW show so i actually got to see matt in person because obviously matt at the time lived in ac but which isn't that far from philly but when you don't drive it's a fucking million miles away <laughs> right, when, right i've got i've got no concept of geography um <laughs> at least then anyway so yeah it was cool I, you know i got to hang out with matt uh actually i remember the thing i remember the most is i gave matt a gift uh of an australian five dollar bill which is actually purple because our money's ridiculous but <laughs> I, I said thank you because you know the, you you were the one who kind of got up my ass and told me to come to the US and um, was going to come back but got injured not long after that and then it's just you know we keep passing in the night I'd started to plan to bring Matt out here before he retired and we'd spoken and it was like yeah cool yeah cool and then loses the match to Ricky and has to hang it up it was like oh fuck okay right. this might not be a thing and then I'd started putting the groundwork together for this trip and you know, it looked like when Matt was maybe coming out, uh, but he might stay retired. Like he did the Onita match, but he said, you know, I, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started putting stuff together. I'd started talking to, you know, Danny and stuff like that. And one of the the guys who helped me put this whole tour together was Schlack. Oh, wow. Uh, and and I, I said, hey, like I'm going to be in town for like 10 days because I've got a newborn son. I've got a four month old uh, little man here. So my wife's brother. Thank you. Uh, are you sleep- my wife How are you sleeping, bro? Uh, uh, he sleeps better than me or my wife. Oh, so- <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, he's a, he's, a, he's a really good baby. Uh, he's oh. my third, my wife's first. Awesome. But uh, he's an amazing kid. I couldn't be happier. Okay. Um, and, and like I said, the reason I'm able to come home in the middle of the day is I get to spend some time with him because at the moment, mm-hmm. the nine to five job's a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. But- That's wonderful. I, I was talking to Schlack and I said, hey, you know, I'm here for these dates. Is there anywhere else I should hit up uh, after ICW? And he's like, let me talk to Matt. And I go, okay, cool. And I'm like, shit, because at this point we didn't know whether Matt was in or out. And then, yeah, like two days later, the show gets announced. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right. I guess I'm doing H2O. Um, uh, well, yeah. I didn't know what the match was going to be. So, and I, I asked Matt and he gave me this big list of people and his name wasn't on it. And I went, okay, well, that's really cool. But if I'm flying 30 hours one way and 30 hours back, I might not get another crack at this. Right. You're out of retirement. We're doing this. Mm-hmm. Like the, like I said, it's like the ship's passing in the night kind of thing. This is the chance we've got to have this match that we've been talking that's about right. for almost 10 years. So he's obviously been really busy and ignoring my fucking promos. <laughs> but it is what it is. But... Yeah, the the hopefully uh, I mean I'll keep making noise until he accepts. But um, one way or another, yeah, I plan on uh, clashing with the bulldozer in his home, which would be really cool. Um, yeah. I, I love that building. I think it's a really cool building. There's a lot of history in it already, even though yeah. it hasn't been around that long. Yeah, H two O hitting their stride. 
I think like they're, they're doing really good business. Um, I'm liking all the, the stories and there's a lot of really cool talent there. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I get to hang out with people like Devin Moore. Like I have to tape trade for like fucking IWA King of the death matches. So like getting wow. to do shows with people like Devin Moore and Connor Claxton yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And then yeah. like, they've obviously got probably the best like young crop of talent, you know, guys like Kennedy Copeland and Mar- Marcus Mathers and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I can't wait for that show. I think it's going to be really, really cool. And I've heard some of the other people that are going to be on that card. It's going to be a pretty fucking nuts card. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, H2O is killing it right now. I, I love everything that they're doing. Uh, and like you said, the the young crop, uh, especially that's coming out of there. Uh, Marcus Mathers, I, I get to work with quite a bit. Um, Kennedy Copeland is awesome. Um, and then, you know, they're bringing in even young people like uh, my little sis, Billy Starks, has been doing a lot of stuff there recently. So Yeah, uh, who just had the crazy match with Jimmy Lloyd with the razor boards and shit? Uh, oh, who was that? It was one of their young guys. Um, hold on, let me see. Yeah, get on a cage match because that's where I do all my stuff. Too. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shout, yeah. shout out to cage match, Mort. I love you. Congratulations on moving <laughs> house. I know that's an that's an amazing resource. You know, it really is. But. Well, Sean's looking that up, Joel. Let me ask you a little bit more about this trip. I mean, you're checking off boxes, man. It's like fucking the hottest right now to me is ICW No Holds Barred. You know, they're they're fucking red hot. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got GCW out drawing everybody. But to me, the promotion is ICW. And you're you're going in there. Chattanooga, which is Trust me, it's a red hot crowd. I mean, that that place is red hot. They were there when they well, you probably watched it, Joel, but I mean the crowd was hot when they were there before. So I know it will be again this time. And Akira, man, what are your thoughts on Akira? Well, like I said, the ICW thing kinda of, kinda of came together like really organically. Like I started talking to Danny and struggles, I guess, like off the, the back of as we started the MDU. And, you know, like little things, like I think it was ICW No Holds Barred 4 or 5, like Jeff Cannonball had DMDU stickers on his mask. Oh, wow. Cool. For his match with Casanova, like just as we were building up to debut, like a lot of the guys were, were doing what they could to hype us up and, yeah. and give us a bit of clout in that international deathmatch market. And then it's just kind of been because the world shut down uh, and, you know, like the city I live in, Melbourne, was in lockdown for like seven months of 2021. Yeah. yeah uh sorry 2020 and then we've been in lockdown during 2021 as well so it was kind of like look one day one day one day one day and then i this opportunity came up where i had a little bit of money and i'd spoken to my wife and said hey look i'm thinking about doing a trip to the u.s maybe wrestlemania weekend and then i had a chat to a couple of friends and they went well if you go for mania weekend that's all well and good but everyone's gonna go for mania weekend and ICW staying home is one thing, but you kind of want to make the most of it. But if you're on, if you've only got one weekend to come in and make an impact, you kind of got to pick between fucking Jersey or Texas. Right. So I went, how about I go in March and and reached out to to ICW and it's all just come together really, really cool. Cause the last time I was there, I was there for three weeks and all I saw was Philly times square and the middle of buttfuck Maine, like the (laughs) middle of fucking nowhere, 20 minutes. 20 minutes from Canada, six feet deep in snow. So <laughs> right, right. I didn't see, I didn't see fucking any of the country. Uh, and the thing that I try and explain to so many American guys that I talk to 
Y'all grew up watching the US independent wrestling, right? Yeah. So did the rest of the world. Like, when we broke in, we're not watching Australian independent wrestling. All the Australian guys are watching the US. Mm. All the English guys are watching the US. All the mm. Canadian guys are watching the US. So a lot of people don't really understand the reach they have kind of outside of their local markets. Like when we bought Casanova right. Valentine here before the pandemic. Yep, yep. Cass is like, oh, I do no ring stuff. And he did like a couple of ICW. I think he did ICW volume one because he almost missed volume two because of uh, COVID. But yeah, like it, it's you guys have this this reach and, and this appeal that people don't really understand. So I've grown up watching wrestling for 25 years, watching towns like Nashville and Chattanooga. Sure. And, you know, Atlantic City. That's awesome. And Detroit and stuff like that. Where for you guys, it's just the country. It's home. Right. right. So when the opportunity right. came to go to somewhere like Chattanooga, Tennessee, like everyone knows the fucking song. Uh, and, you know, like, <laughs> with the, spoiler alert, I'm going to Nashville after ICW. Yeah, hell for, yeah. For like a day. But <laughs> I, I jumped at the bit. I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, like I can, fucking New York's never going to go anywhere. But these kind of really cool, unique markets, uh, I'm going to jump at the bit to be a part of it. So, yeah, we were able to make it happen. And then I I kept saying to Danny, who have I got the chance? Who have I got the chance? Who have I got the chance? And, like, I threw out a couple of really random names, to be honest with you. But the one that ended up coming back was Akira. Wow. And I went, like, immediately, it's just like I went from black and white to color. And I went, holy shit. (laughs) Because... I love Akira. Like we get along. We uh we actually play in the same really dorky Minecraft realm. Cool. Um, which is like the most uncool thing for a deathmatch wrestler to do, but whatever. <laughs> but it's a, it's a way for us to, I guess, stay connected on the other side of the world. Yeah. So you know, I get along with Akira really well. I get along with his girlfriend really well. Um, but we we constantly trade ideas about deathmatch stuff, and then this match has come together and the communications kind of changed to, Hey, how did you think this would go in a match to, Hey, I'm going to make sure that you fucking cop this and I'm going to make you work. Um, so I I'm super excited for this match with Akira. Like he's, he had probably one of the best 2021s out of anybody, and you know, isn't letting up anytime soon. Like his match with Clint was amazing. Like this is kind of the year where Akira shows out against the internationals. So I'm happy to kind of be step two in that. Obviously, Sakuda's coming to America not long after I leave. So I assume him and Sakuda are probably going to cross paths sooner rather than later as well. Like, mm-hmm. if this is the year where Akira gets to kind of show what he can do against the internationals, I'm happy to be there. But I want him to know that it's not going to be a fucking walk in the park for him. I'll tell you Hell what. no. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel like you two are going to bring out uh, the best out of each other. And uh, it's going to be a good clash. I, I'm really looking forward to it. So, but like you were talking about, um, you know, just like the the wrestling history in Tennessee and stuff um, just throughout the years, like the, the place where the venue that we're going to be at and specifically um, thanks to IWTV, I was able to watch a lot of different stuff that has happened in that TWE arena um, mm-hmm. specifically. And uh, I just, I can't wait for you to experience that specifically uh, because whenever I was finally able to do a show there, um, it was the first ICW show that we had done at the TW arena. Now this is the second mm-hmm. one that we're doing. Um, but that first one, the crowd just was so electric, especially in that main event, because yeah. the main was Merck. That uh, Merck and Murdoch match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merck and Murdoch and the, the crowd going back and forth because, you know, Merck is their guy. 
but you know, Murdoch is the guy and like, it was just electric, you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I really can't wait for you to experience just that, but also, you know, of course the match is going to be a banger. Like I said, I feel like you two are really going to bring out the best in each other. Cause Akira is just one of those guys that <clears throat> no matter, even if you doubt him, he's still going to match whoever he's in the ring with um, and, and bring it just as hard as the person he's, you know, across the ring from, uh, you know, whether it's um, like you were talking about um, with, uh, 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 oh, shoot, uh, what was the, the international Clint. tag? Uh, um, Clint Majera, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. My bad. Uh, Clint Majera. Um, and then, you know, whether it's him, uh, international talent or Masada, you know what I'm saying? Uh, cause that match was pain. Um, but, uh, uh, just, or homicide even, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just all the different matches that I've seen Akira, Mance Warner, uh, the one he had with Gary J recently, um, where well, that, literally- that was the show at that TWA arena. Yep. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And, and Akira was just literally like beckoning <laughs> Gary to hit him. Hit, hit me, motherfucker. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> what are you doing that for? <laughs> Akira is just insane. So I, I really can't wait to see what you guys are going to do. Well, the thing, like I was talking to Clint after the ICW show, because Clint and Big Joe are, are both good mates of mine. And they were saying that the crowds in the U.S. are just insane. Yeah. yeah. Just completely fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> and, like, I don't think it really translates on tape. Uh-huh. And, like, the shows that I did there, like, nine years ago, the independent scene wasn't what it is now. Right, like, right. I'm so excited because, yeah, I watched that TWE Arena show with, like, the dueling chance and, and like, Murdoch kind of, you know, almost coming in as an underdog, even though he's the world champion at the time. Like, that that atmosphere looked surreal and the fact that we get to not only do no holds barred at twe because i i personally i prefer a smaller more intimate venue than like a giant fucking building with 100 right. people in it right. i'd rather fit 100 people into a building you meant to have 80 in yep. yeah and yep. just have it like real nice and compact and that's what the twe yeah. arena looks like but we get yeah. to do no holds barred there but we get to do pit fighter x the night before as well mm-hmm. um which is is super cool because i haven't fucking wrestled in a ufc cage before um, the thought, the thought of taking bumps on that floor makes me cringe, but yeah. I'll be right. Yeah. It's not like I have to wrestle the next night or anything. Um, <laughs> it's, but see, jokes on Akira because he has to wrestle his girlfriend, who scares the shit out of me. So Ooh, he does. I didn't even know that. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, yeah. Akira versus it's Akira <laughs> versus Masha at Pit Fighter. So yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be fucking ridiculous. That's but be- um, yeah, I put I put out the challenge on our shows. So because obviously we both air on IWTV. Right. I, I, I spoke to the powers that be and I said, give me whoever's got the belt coming out of Chicago has me at Pit Fighter. So Ooh, cool. Yeah. And that match looks crazy. It's what Reed, Tommy Vendetta. Who are the other two guys in that four way? Justin Kyle and fuck. Who's the fourth one? I should know this. I don't even know. I, should... I, I haven't seen that lineup. That's it's awesome. The main event, it's the main event for this weekend in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, uh... Reed, Justin Kyle, Tommy Vendetta, and Jake Crist. Oh, that's it. Jake Jake's Christ. in there. Oh, shit. Yeah. Jake, so, is of, Jake is literally like in my top five. Uh, probably one of my closest friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, love that dude. He is going to do some ridiculous, crazy shit in this match. Uh, well, all, that's kind of why I'm guys. so. Thanks. Sorry, you go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's why I'm so excited for like, one, I'm going to be watching all these shows live this weekend. 
Um, because again, the time difference works really well. The shows air at like lunchtime. I can sit yeah. down and have my lunch, <laughs> right, and hang out right. with my son, and watch death matches. But there's four like super different people in that match. Mm-hmm. Look, if I'm a gambler, I really don't want Justin Kyle to win because I feel like if I have to wrestle Justin Kyle inside <laughs> of a fucking UFC cage, that match is going to go about 45 seconds, and I'm going to get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that guy scares the He's fuck a monster, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but, I mean, you were there. You remember how he brought it to Phil Baroni? Oh, in the UFC he suffocated Phil Baroni, man. Who is a legit yeah. UFC guy? Yeah, so, yeah. He ate I him up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah. there's that. Uh, so Kyle will fucking murder me as long as Justin <laughs> Kyle doesn't win. I'm fine. Right. Uh, but I like again, same thing. I used to tape chain for fucking Irish Airborne matches, like that opened old Ring of Honor DVDs that I've wow. got that oh, covered in dust it. now. Do you know That's what I mean? Amazing. Like, so I've been watching Jake Chris for a really long time. Tommy Vendetta but, has been talking a bunch of shit on oh. the internet, which is funny. So if he wins, I get to fight him twice. But if he loses, and I assume he'll lose because he's a piece of shit, but, um, that means I get to fight him at Horror Slam in Detroit as well. So that's all like there's heaps of different ways to go about it. And then if Reed wins, I mean, you know, for me, for my money, Reed's top five in the world has been for years. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yep. And it's just now that he's starting to get his flowers after, you know, a 20 fucking year career. It's, yeah. He's starting to get the recognition that he is one of the best at this. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. man. I, well, and that's that's so crazy to hear you say, because that really shows just like how big of an independent wrestling fan that you are because like yeah reed has been killing it against all of anybody's favorite wrestlers for <laughs> years yeah uh, you know what i mean um mm-hmm. and to see him finally get his flowers like you said it's a beautiful thing man and uh, and i really hope he holds that belt for quite a long time and and gets some really dope matchups but this yeah this four-way it offers <laughs> literally something for everybody and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch that's it. And then, yeah, so I've got the winner. Because I, I said in my promo, I want to take the ICW American Deathmatch belt and bring it back to Australia and make it a world yep. deathmatch belt. Yeah. But, um, right. Now, that would be right. fucking dope, Joel. You It'd gotta, be sick, but I've got to bring that. somebody's heart to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> That would be sick, though. Yep. So, yeah. But, yep. yo, man, I, that, that's what I was going to ask you about, the Horror Slam tournament, because I'm thinking you must be fucking jacked for that. I mean, the talent that's in there is absolutely insane. I mean, Vendetta and Hoodfoot and remington roar mickey knuckles who else is in that bitch i mean uh, every- so like R- randy west yeah Brad cash yeah. mm3 Chuck mm3 Stein, right right um fucking madman pondo jimmy lloyd jake chris yeah like it's a crazy <laughs> fucking lineup it is um and the thing is, so like, I'm going to go hang out with uh Cologne for a couple of days in Dayton in between all these shows. How, how cool. And yeah, well, like we, again, we talk fucking, you know, for hours every day, but it's the, oh, hey, I got a couple of days in the middle. Do you want to hang out? <laughs> um, so the tournament, I was actually going to go to Detroit and, and hang out with like DMAC and uh, Eddie Venom for, mm-hmm. uh, on the Thursday yeah. because I used to talk to Eddie Venom back in the MySpace days. Oh, um wow. Because Eddie Venom and Eric Cannon were like the two indie guys that I knew from like the fucking the indie uh, <laughs> Michigan area. How cool, okay. man. In like 2002, 2003. But yeah. uh, Eddie Venom now works in the it. beer industry and I used to work <laughs> in the beer industry. So what? I was like, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. That, that's great. I'm, I'm a craft beer snob. So I just fascinated. <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> am I, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyone who wants to bring me beer to any of these shows, I'm all about it. Hey, um, man. 
Let me get a couple, please. <laughs> oh, well, like, no, see, see, all right. If you're a craft beer snob, you'll pop for this. I got a four pack of Pliny and a four pack of Heady Topper coming to H2O. So, oh, okay. yeah, like, they're, they're whale beers. You do not get them in Australia. So, um, wow. wow. So, I was going to go in and go to Founders. That was why I was going to go in a day early. Uh, I was going to go in and DMAC and Eddie we were all going to go to Founders and hit up a couple of Detroit breweries. And I get this message going, hey, the tournament's so fucking stacked. We've got to do two days. I was like, sick. Sounds like fun. Mm. Um, so it's it similar, like I was talking about the reach that everybody has. Like, yeah. You know, there, there are guys like Chuck Stein who've been around for ages. Obviously, yeah. Jimmy Lloyd's on the run of a lifetime. Yeah. Jake Christ, same thing. Dude, the 15 year old juggalo in me knows that, like, there's a, a realistic chance I could wrestle Mad Man Pondo. Oh, man. That blows my fucking mind. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Pondo is a legend. Like, he came out here in, like, 2006 and was a fucking legend then. Now, yeah. in 2022, like, they, he's in rarefied air in terms oh. of, like, longevity. He, he sure same is, thing Joel. Mickey, same thing with Mickey Knuckles. Same Mickey thing Knuckles, with Mickey, you know, yep. has, has come and gone and, and is, again, is in that rarefied air. Like, yep. And it's, right. oh, fuck, I might have to trade headbutts with Mickey Knuckles. Oh, wow. God, my poor right. skull. But... <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm so excited for that tournament. There's so many cool fucking people in it. And, and people mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I watch and I study uh, and I, they, I went from being fans of them to now their peers to now their opponents. Right. It's super fucking surreal. Um, yeah. So to be able to, you know, hopefully check off a few in that weekend, you know, I don't want to get eliminated first round. I have to sit around and do fucking nothing the next day. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, well, yeah, Murdoch's in that tournament as well. Yeah, so, yeah like and he's on my list so there's there's heaps of, of really cool matches uh at that tournament ridiculous it's because it's not in tournament season and for whatever reason it's not getting the buzz right but it's a like i said like and that what that's a 16 person tournament i we haven't hit off on everybody i'm sure there's somebody on there. Nah, yeah yeah but, but it's a fucking crazy eclectic lineup like yeah. it's not yeah like some of the other tournaments where it's like oh, okay it's all the gcw guys with a couple of local guys or it's you know all the no holds barred guys and all the h2o guys like they're a, it's a really eclectic random tournament like you've got yeah. the new guys like remington raw and oh. hoodfoot and then you've got like pondo and mickey Chris and murdoch do you know what i mean chuck stein yeah, uh, and MM3, like the local Detroit guys as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a fucking cool lineup. Yeah, very yeah, cool. Um, and I'm so stoked to be a part of it. So, yeah, I can't fucking wait. Like, this is only my second tournament because we don't have tournaments here. Right, right. Like, the, yeah. the only other tournament I did was the Dream Tournament for right. the MDU yeah. back in uh, November. Yep. That's a great segue. We'll, we'll go ahead and talk about that Dream Tournament, man, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I watched, you know, a, a couple of matches from that tournament. Um, I watched the uh, the one with Guido, uh, which was yep. your set. Was that your second match with Guido? Yeah, yeah. So that was our second match. That was the second yeah. round of the tournament. Yeah. So right, I watched that one, and then I also caught. I I'm gonna go back and watch the whole tournament eventually because I love tournaments in general. Uh, you can tell so many cool stories with tournaments, but um, but and then I watched the finals also with you and Callan, which was so crazy just the the amount of glass that was in that ring after the match was just nuts like you guys went so hard um <laughs> but uh but talk about like everything that went into going and like just organizing that tournament just because like it was supposed to happen and then it didn't happen and then it finally happened and and all of that well so like with, with dmdu everyone who started dmdu 
we were meant to launch in like May of 2020. And it was, the way it happened is like Damien Rivers, Callum Butcher, myself, and a couple other people all kind of hit each other up individually going, hey, I want to do a deathmatch show. And then we just kind of went, wait, there's like five of us who want to do this. Hmm. Why don't we just pull our fucking resources and start a company? Hmm. Uh, and that's what we did. And that's why we flew Cass over here. Uh, and like, so that, that was the DMD launch party, the two no ring Casanova shows. Okay. The second no ring show got canceled because of COVID. Like we got locked down that fast and Damn. Cass almost didn't make it back for no holds barred two, where he wrestled Nick. Wow. Huh. So we got to sit here in the pandemic and just kind of watch the rest of the world go by, but our city was locked down really, really hard. And we oh. went, the, the culmination needs to be the first deathmatch tournament in Australia. The, there's very little up until the MDU, there was very little, I guess, deathmatch representation in Australia. There's yeah. the thing that everyone knows overseas, and I know because like I asked like Jeff Cannibal, this, so what do you know about deathmatch in Australia? And he's like, I know Mad Dog, I know Cracker Jack, and I know the tournament I hate guys, which is like these legendary backyard tournaments that are on YouTube. They're huh. fucking nuts. Go back and watch them. Okay. Um yeah, they're crazy. Like even by like today's pro standards, you're like, you guys are fucking awesome. Like they're, they're doing <laughs> like dis- they're doing like Zona twenty three spots in like two thousand and five. Wow, like, destroy- oh, yeah. destroyers through windshields and shit. Um, <laughs> Word. Okay. All right. And then it was meant to be in August, but like so, COVID started to get good. We had a couple of shows, and then we got locked down again for like three months. And we, we just kind of went, fuck, because I think it, we got to like a week or two out from the tournament and we'd announced a bunch of people and yeah. we'd sold tickets Yeah, and we had we to even, it. We had even talked about doing a podcast at that time. Yeah, exactly. We but, were going to yeah. do it. And it was like yeah. the two weeks out where we we're going to do this massive media blitz and then the shit hit the fan. Yeah. And that was it. It was done. Mm. And, we, and we just had to sit and fucking wait. And in that time, like, you know, plans change, people change, that kind of thing. But it was almost up until the day of we were waiting for something else to go wrong because we tried to do this so often and so many times. We're like, something's going to fuck up. Someone's going to cop call the building. <laughs> right. Do you, know, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to get a call from someone and say that they've broken their leg. Right. Um, something like something's going to fucking go wrong. And then, like, the doors open for the show, this sold out show with like 250 people there. I'm looking around going, huh, everything's okay. <laughs> Holy fuck, I, I, I have a light tube deathmatch in like 30 minutes. I should probably get my clothes on. Um, <laughs> and, and that was kind of it. Like, it was, there was just this like really odd feeling of like calm, but like this bubbling electricity underneath, just like this emotion because there's people like Mad Dog and Vixen here in Australia who have been doing deathmatches since like the late 90s. Yeah. But because, you know, Mad Dog doesn't use social media unless you see him. You don't really like understand the history of him. Like he's done, uh, fuck, he's done like fifteen Japan tours. He was on Blood Christmas. He wrestled Fukimoto on a Blood Christmas not long wow. ago. Wow. I think it was the last one before the pandemic. I think it was a twenty nineteen one. Um, he wrestled Fukimoto. Like he's done massive matches with Kasai and Takeda here. Like oh. he's been the guy flying the deathmatch flag for the last two decades, and to be able to kind of put on a tournament and start to give him kind of his flowers because. He was the guy who got so much. He was into deathmatch wrestling at a local level. Um, To people like York, who I wrestled in the first round, who was thinking of retiring. You know, he was thinking of hanging it up. He didn't think there was anything left for him. And then he came to our first DMDU show and saw a light tube match for the first time. And he went, 
I want to fucking do light tubes. That sounds like fun. And is now one of our most popular wrestlers because every opportunity he's been given, he fucking crushes it. Um, if you haven't had a chance, go and watch the cinder block death match he did on Sunday. It was the fucking scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was awesome. Um, like I, I've been doing death matches for a really long time and I'm at ringside popping my brains out going, you guys are fucking crazy. Um, So Cinderblock, no joke, man. They're, oh man, no. no Cinderblock, they did a bucket of gravel in the middle of the ring, like yeah. tacks, and we're taking oh. like backdrop drivers in the gravel oh. and yeah. sidewalk slam off the top rope on a big pile of Cinderblock. It was just fucking crazy. I saw your uh, tweets on that, Joel, and you were you were saying in, in your tweets, you know, glass or not, this is a fucking, <laughs> this is a match you got to see. You'll go back and watch it, and you'll send me yeah. a message and be like, "You're right, that was fucking insane." Sweet man. <laughs> um, yeah so like this tournament had so many i guess underlying stories to it Uh, and even you know someone like guido who was very much just an ugwa guy before he moved to australia right um and kind of you know ramble with the radar a little bit but being able to bring him in as an international superstar and kind of put him on that pedestal from the second we opened as a company and kind of given him the opportunity to um to show out as well in, in a tournament fashion and you know on a big stage was awesome as well so yeah well, everyone real quick, went real quick on, on guido real quick uh before you know we move on uh it was really cool to see him uh shine and and be uh at, like, especially in that tournament uh whenever because I, I watched all the way through you know the, the promo that you cut after the match with Callan and all of that um, and just the love that they shown Guido because uh, I was fortunate to work with Guido when he still lived here in the States um, because even though he was out on the West coast and, you know, for somebody like me, like who's just a ref, there's just so many referees here in America, dude, um, that, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard for somebody from the Midwest to get out to that part of the country. And uh, I was fortunate to work for black craft wrestling whenever that was a thing. Um, and they uh, had a show in California and I had already bought a plane ticket, had it worked out for my travel. Um, and they ended up canceling the show about a week beforehand. Um, yep. But luckily Sage Sin was having one of her tournaments that weekend. Crimson um, Crown, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And so I w- this was actually before they were Crimson Crown. I think they were called like Blood Brothers or something like that before it. Right. Um, it, it was something like that. And so... Um, and Guido was on that tournament. He actually had a match against Murdoch that was insane. Um, so I was, it, it, it worked out because, um, I had worked with Sage a couple of times, but there was a lot of guys from, you know, my area that was on that tournament. Like, you know, your Murdoch's and I think Reed was on the tournament and Aiden Blackheart was on the tournament and different guys that, you know, I kind of came up with. And so I was fortunate to be able to hop on there and, uh, you know, just seeing the love that like that Cali area shows Guido. And I was just kind of like, okay, this guy obviously is somebody who's done some things and like they show him a lot of love. And then him and Murdoch had a crazy match where he did like a Murdoch did a destroyer off the stage through like a table with cans on it and different stuff. So that's why it was really cool to see your all's first match was, you know, with the, the board of gussets and the cans and all that, that was a wild match. So, but yeah, man, Guido's the man. I, I really, 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 glad that he's found a uh, a home away from home in australia uh, it's really cool to see yeah big time and i he's got his uh six below fight club like that's a company he's heavily involved in i think he's got the book there um mm. so he, he's doing really cool stuff there too i don't know how they're going to distribute their shows they got their first show coming up 
Uh, actually, when, when, when I'm in the US, but however they distribute it, it's going to be worth a look for sure. Awesome. Cool. But yeah, the tournament was just crazy. I, but having not done a tournament before, like I didn't think too much about it, knowing I was going to the finals. I was first and then fifth. So I like warmed all the way down before the Guido match. Like mm-hmm. all my adrenaline had gone. I was, mm-hmm. I was ready for bed. I was ready for a nap. I was yeah. <laughs> right. And then and you then got like, fuck, I gotta wrestle Guido because he doesn't <laughs> fucking take nights off. Uh, this is gonna be a brawl. All right. Oh, yeah. I uh, can't wait to get punched in the face for real 15 times. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That, and that's, that's like, everyone's like, because obviously the tournament got a, t- a ton of views and a ton of press for us, which I couldn't be happier about. But everyone's, do you know, doing the press that I do, they're like, what was the most painful thing from the tournament? Was it the weed whacker? I was like, no, the weed whacker was okay. Like, I'd do the weed whacker again. Was it the better nails? Oh, look, the better nails sucked real fucking bad. Like, I'm not, I'm not dying to do that again. Hmm. The yeah, thing that, was- that hurt the most in the whole fucking tournament is Guido and me are brawling in the crowd, and he grabbed a bottle of hand sanitizer and emptied it on my back. Oh, yeah. And- I the commentators kind of talk over me, which is probably for the best, because I just sprint from one end of the building to the other, just screaming like I'm on fire. That was the worst, most painful thing I've ever done in almost 20 years of wrestling was not pay attention to fucking Guido after taking a bomb and then eating a whole bottle of hand sanitizer. That was the worst ever. I feel like you were reading my mind because I really wanted to ask you how that felt. So I'm glad it felt like, it felt like shit. It felt like shit. <laughs> that looked terrible, man. I if I could tap, if I could tap out at that moment without like anybody touching me, if I could just like give up, I would have. Because yeah, well, he didn't have a hold on, and we were in the crowd, it wouldn't have made sense. But <laughs> at that point, I'm like, I'm done. If I could never feel that bait again, I'd be really happy. Oh, that sucks Jesus. so bad. And like you said, the better nails, man. The, the bumps that you both you guys took onto it was just crazy. Uh, but yeah, that that alcohol, he really just dumped half of that bottle on you. I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, the worst thing was I wasn't fucking paying attention. I was, I had my head down. <laughs> Uh, to be completely honest, I had my head down, uh, trying not to bleed all over the floor of the buildings. I knew I would have had to steam clean it later because uh, <laughs> that venue is actually carpeted. It's oh. not timber or concrete. So if you bleed on the floor, getting oh, the blood shit. out is a pain in the ass. Shit. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I, I was laying there and I was like, I had my forearm up to my head because I was trying not to leak on the floor. And he just dumped it on my back. I was like, what the fuck? Whoa. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that was the worst thing of the whole tournament. Like, give me a fucking weed whacker any day of the week. Do not come near me with that sanitizer. Jesus, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and I feel like in that main event, like one of the things I saw Jeremy off the air, uh, in that promo that you cut after the match with Callan, I really feel like if you hadn't been paying attention, you know, like me, um, you really kind of understood what you all were doing and what you all have and, 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 um, just how um, how much deathmatch wrestling means to you, and how you all want to just kill it. And to what does it mean to put it on a guy like Callan? Because uh, what was really cool was um, you kind of explained a little bit of his backstory. But then, like, I actually had went back and watched a couple of his other matches because uh, I became a Callan fan after that match. Um, he's just a really infectious type of dude. You know what I mean? Like. You really want to get he, behind him, even though he's creepy as hell. <laughs> you he know? reminds me very much of what Neil Diamond Cutter was like in like the late 2010s before he took his time off. Okay. He's just a genuine dude. Like you can't help 
but be dr- like enthralled by what he does and want him to do well at it. Yeah. Even if you don't know him, you're just like, there's something about this guy that I really like. Right. I can't put my finger on it, but I have to make sure that he succeeds in whatever he's doing. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and I can't put my finger on what the fuck it is. Yeah. So, and, and Callum was the same. He was ready to retire after a few years of the business because he couldn't find a gimmick that worked for him and he couldn't find a style that worked for him. And then we we did the MDU and him and Damo headlined the first show in the 100 Light Tubes. That was crazy. And it was just... Holy and- fuck. Okay. He might have something here. Mm-hmm. And then as like, obviously as we were putting the tournament together, there was the, who the fuck wins the belt kind of discussion. And it changed uh, people that weren't even in the tournament. were were looking at being the champion and then, you know, things change and uh, they can't make the show. And we're like, who the fuck does it go to? And then it came to like, if you go back and watch it, we told a bunch of stories throughout the, the tournament. Like Callan was beating people who had beaten him in earlier DMDU history, like uh, Damo beat him on the first show. Uh, and well, Mad Dog, obviously, is the legend. So, like, no one had beaten Mad Dog. Mm. Um, so, and then we came to the final. But for me, like, my back was destroyed. I had two really hard matches. Mm-hmm. And I was the smallest guy in the tournament by like 50 pounds. So, all of my offenses, like Super Dragon style pile drivers and shit. I can't mm. get that on a, a big guy like Callan. So, like, if you go back and you watch the match again, the story is I can't do my moves, so I go to my friend's moves. So, like, the opening of the match is the Charlie Evans backdrop lariat, and then it's the Alex Cologne Meteora rock bottom with the knee and the camel clutch. Right. Like, we, we like to build in throwbacks like that and, and, you know, reward people who are fans of wrestling and, like, long-term storytelling and stuff like that. And yeah, then it th- just got to the point where we're like, right, time to show out let's leave it all in the ring yeah and we did like the only and i'll be honest with you guys the only thing that i'm really pissed off about is we cut one spot and it was for safety but in hindsight i should have just fucking killed him um because we were on top of the cage uh that big fucking shark cage that now lives in my driveway Uh but we were brawling on top of the cage the plan was he was going to go off through the pane of glass and then i was going to hit him with a swanton uh, and I'm up there and I just go, dude, I'm fucked. Like, I am so done. I, I said, I'm not going to do the swanton because if I do it, I'm going to kill you. So I'm too tired uh, to protect you. And I said, we're going to keep fighting, but we both have shit to do on Monday. <laughs> so right. I climbed down instead of just fucking killing him with the swanton. That's my only regret with the match. But outside of that, it was everything I wanted it to be. Like, and the audience was there for it as well. Like, cause sometimes you see in those big, like, heavy tournament finals. People are like, why the fuck are they doing this? But the audience got the story and were there with it every step of the way. They were there for all the the kind of late moments of the match. And my favorite moment of the match was starting the weed whacker behind the curtain. Yeah. That, so cool. that was the first time a weed whacker has ever been used in Australia. Okay. Um, it's just not something, again, not something we do here. It's actually called a whippersnapper here in Australia, not a weed whacker. Yeah. But... Um, I went backstage and I could hear a couple of people go, oh, what's going on? Is he hurt? Is he hurt? And then I started it and the audience just goes, whoa, and they all came up as one. And I was like, yes, perfect. Excellent. I came through with it. The crowd went fucking nuts. And then we, yeah. we started to work towards the end of the match. But yeah, I, I couldn't be happier with how it went. Um, yeah. That- I, I, we said in the pre-show meeting, we said, no matter, we'll look back on this in 20 more years, the way we all look at Mad Dog now. This is there's always only going to be one first deathmatch tournament in Australia, so let's go out there and wrestle like it's the first one, 
that we're going to look back on in 20 years. And everybody showed out. Everyone put in a career performance that night. Mm, agree. That's incredible, man. Yeah, Joel, and you you just gave us another really good segue, a few of them actually. But, you know, Sean and I were talking about just – you know, wanting to get you to kind of give us a sense of the audience, you know, what were your expectations about the audience and how the Australian fans were going to take to deathmatch wrestling? And like you said, weed whackers and shit, you know, you go, you're going all out, man. So tell us what your thoughts were and how long did it take for them to embrace it? You know, is there so all that? It's, it's kind of a, it's not a long story. There's just a big gap in the middle. Sure. So back when I broke in, in like the year 2000, there was a company called PCW. Um, they're still around, but they're like very family friendly now. But at the time they were doing like, almost like an ECW tribute act. Like everything was super hardcore and that kind of stuff. But obviously tailored to a local audience, like we don't get tables here. So all the tables were like particle board with legs screwed on. Uh, that kind of shit. Real similar to like the way Germany, WXW used to do their death matches. Okay. But that was the scene. And PCW was the, the biggest drawing company here in, in Melbourne. And they were drawing like five, 600 people a show in like 2001, 2002. But a guy named Lobo, uh, different Lobo to the CCW one. But Lobo and Mad Dog and a guy named Rave and a guy named Armageddon were like the four main hardcore guys. And they just like kept up in the ante and like one time, one show it's table covered in thumbtacks and the next show it's, you know, a stairway to hell match, a ladder match for a roll of barbed wire. It just kept growing and growing and growing. And eventually they went, we want a hardcore title. And it was the first quote unquote death match. September 9th, 2002. I'll never forget it. I was front row, but it was Mad Dog versus Lobo in a no rope barbed wire, Taipei 40,000 reigning thumbtack death match. Mm. And it was promoted for months. The show was called Carnage. And they drew 1,200 people to this show. Sold the fuck out. Massive house. But it was marketed as great family entertainment. (laughs) And even like the uh, the matches on YouTube, if you know where to look, I'll send you the link once we finish recording. But even by like 2022 standards, it's a really bloody death match. It's a crazy bloody death match. It still holds up. Like I've shown it to Cologne. I've shown it to Neil. And they're like, that was fucking nuts. So the, it wasn't the kids that had the problem with the content, but like it was bad. What happened is a couple of wrestlers who didn't wrestle for PCW took it to the media and the uh, media got a hold of it. So it was like on the back page of the paper. It was on like our version of 60 minutes. Um, just burying it like and exposing the business calling it organized barbarism and saying that like blood was sprayed on the audience and like i am not gonna break cafe but talking about like certain aspects of deathmatch wrestling and saying that mm-hmm. you know it's just you know it's macabre and it's self-mutilation and bullshit 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 and it almost killed the entire territory the houses for everybody went from like 1200 to like 80 in three weeks mm. So anyone who's still around from that era really fucking hates death matches more so in the business than fans, because anyone who was in the business then realized how close we came to losing everything and uses death matches as a catalyst for that. Right. So that's where we get some detractors from some of the older guard who go, Oh, you're going to kill the business all over again. But 
in the 20 years since Carnage. Melbourne, the city that we, we run in, is a super progressive, forward-thinking city. Mm. Um, you know, like where the, the LGBT capital kind of of Australia here, right. uh, we're super multicultural, we're a massive art city, we're a massive live music city, we're a massive punk city. No, yeah, I don't I, I, think we could do the. Sorry, you go. Uh, well, really quick, I, I wanted to mention how much I appreciated that BLM on your trunks uh, in the what match was that? You and Guido, I think it Guido, was. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. But yeah, go ahead. Well, because uh, I'm a First Nation, so an Indigenous Australian, so yeah. it's very, very um, near and dear to my heart. I have the flag right. tattooed on my forearm. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Whereas Melbourne is a super inclusive city and because we were about to launch right as the pandemic happened, speaking out happened, um, Black Lives Matter happened. Like while we were sitting on the sidelines waiting for the pandemic to pass, the entire business changed. The entire world changed. And we went and we sat there as a management group and went, if we're going to do something so risky as death matches, we need to make sure that everybody feels safe at our shows in all aspects, whether mm-hmm. it's like, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Like we pay for a paramedic every show. So we have paramedics at all of our shows. We have a treatment team. So we have a myotherapist and a strength and conditioning coach to help the wrestlers mm-hmm. recover. We have all the management team is mental health first aid trained. We have uh, culture city, who is the company that AEW work with for sensory issues. And like, Fans that might have uh, sensory issues in terms of like noise or light and stuff like that. So we have a quiet room at all of our shows. All of our talent, deathmatch or non-deathmatch, get blood tested every three months. Amateur boxing and MMA in this country doesn't do that. And we're fucking stupid bullshit pro wrestling. And we're putting all this onto our talent because we want everyone to feel safe. Right, exactly. So we've got the most expensive ticket in town when it comes to pro wrestling. But we're very transparent about where that money goes. Like, yeah, look, yeah. it's going to cost an extra 10 bucks a show, but this is why. And that open, honest approach to the fans, as well as trying to make it a safe and inclusive space for everybody. No one has had a problem with the content. We went, look, we're a deathmatch company and we're all out of our fucking minds, but we love doing deathmatch wrestling. The reason this company exists is because we wanted to create a place where everybody belongs where people like Mad Dog who have been doing death matches for 20 years only gets through three or four years sometimes because none of the promoters want to give him the opportunity. This company is here for the guys who want that opportunity and the girls who want that opportunity. But I also want it to be a safe space for the fans as well, so where you know you can, everyone can leave their bullshit at the door for a couple of hours. You can leave your shoot job and your dramas and your life and just come and be a part of this really cool community together. And like... One of my favorite stories I tell, so we have a couple of fans who are trans and identify as female. Their first time leaving the house identifying as a female was a DMDU show because they felt safe and comfortable in the environment that we created. And they get to be their best self at our events Mm -hmm. because we make everybody feel comfortable and safe and inclusive. The flip side of that and kind of bringing it back to wrestling is we have the most receptive and forgiving crowd ever. Like there have been some talent that we've booked that have flat out sucked. And I'm sitting in the back watching these matches going, Oh my God, what the fuck have we done? But the fans like don't shit on them. 
if it's like we have a super supportive fan base, if something's not great, they'll politely applaud. If you're trying to tell like a different kind of story, the fans will stop and kind of watch what's going on. And then they're with the story, almost like the way that old Chikara fans used to be. Uh-huh. Where like, for example, like I'm a deathmatch guy on the show on Sunday. I did like a American technical style match, like a Brian Danielson, Alex Shelley kind of themed match. Mm-hmm. And it took the audience about 30 seconds to go. Oh, okay. Right. He's not throwing a bunch of bombs. Okay. This is hold for hold stuff. We're going to cheer along for the hold for hold stuff. And we're going to concentrate on the match. Mm-hmm. And it takes them about 30 seconds. And then they're, they're in and they're cheering for things like rope breaks and almost taps and really, you know, like uh, complex technical reversals and stuff. The same thing with the death matches. Maybe they're not coming to the show for the death matches, but they'll sit there and go, okay, I see what's going on. And they stop and they kind of analyze it and it takes, yeah, 30, 40 seconds. And then they're in and they're like these crazy passionate fans that are following everything that's going on. And they're mm-hmm. cheering when they're supposed to cheer and they boo when they're supposed to boo and they pop when they're supposed to pop and they pay attention. So like the subtle stuff gets over as well as the big broad strokes. Like it's such an amazing audience to wrestle in front of. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced anything like it. And like Cologne's coming here in April. So like, I'm excited because he's, except for Guido, he's the first kind of international that we've had in as well. So I'm super excited to see how like, he takes our crowd as well because they are, I guess, so welcoming. Um, but yeah, it's it's nothing like it. So yeah, we do have like detractors who will go, oh, Deathmatch is going to kill the fucking business. But they never actually come to our shows and kind of immerse themselves in our atmosphere. So I'm not necessarily concerned. Well, yeah. The, the, the crowd, well, I was going to say that that crowd is just electric because um, I had caught, are you talking about the match against Tyler that happened this past weekend? Correct. Yeah, yeah, and and the crowd, um, you know, kind of feeling out. I feel like what was going on in the match, and then once they got it, it was like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? Uh, or even because I caught your match against uh, Richie Taylor, um, which I wanted to talk about him for a second because, of um, like, I have no clue who this guy is, but like, I feel like I almost like I said with the Callan match, I feel like I understood everything I kind of needed to get out of that one match. Uh, and I have no clue why the hell this guy is retiring because um, he's <laughs> insanely good. And that match was very, very emotional, um, but such a blast to watch, man. Uh, kudos to both you guys, for real. Um, Thank but, you. Yeah. That, that match who, was a lot of fun. Um, who is Richie yeah. Taylor? <laughs> so those tournament of hate backyard shows that I told you to go back and watch, if you look really uh-huh. closely, there's a couple of guys who turned pro and did some really good things that started in the backyard. So guys like Matt Diamond, Robbie Eagles, Richie Taylor all started in the backyard together. Wow. Um, And Richie was always a massive Aaron Cannon fan and a massive Chris Hero fan. And developed that story because fuck, like, fuck me, does he not have the fastest rolling elbow you've ever seen? Yeah. And like, I've I've known Richie kind of since he broke in and he, he was not a good dude when he broke in. He had an attitude problem. He had a couple of substance abuse problems, but walked away from wrestling and spent the last 10 years completely changing his life for the better. He's sober. He uh, is vegan. Do you know what I mean? Like he just went, I'm going to do what's best for me, my family and the people I surround myself with and built. Like I said, he's so he's like Callan where he's just such a relatable, good guy and you can't help but want to see him do good things. Mm-hmm. So over the last yeah, 12 years, he, he's kind of built up that reputation, but uh, he's actually got a hip injury. 
Um, and he's got a, a, a new baby as well. So he's like, I think I'm going to hang it up because I can't keep working through this hip injury, mm. which is where the retirement thing came from. And I said, okay, cool. Look, I understand. Because at the time he was our heavyweight champion. He'd won our first tournament for the heavyweight title. He hadn't even gotten a defense with the belt before he said, I've got to retire. And then I said, well, who do you want in your last match? And he goes, you. And I go, fuck. Anybody else? He's like, no. <laughs> damn it. Um, because... I do death matches. The, the secret behind death matches is you don't need to have a gas tank. <laughs> you you can be a little bit, take it a little bit easier in terms of like gym work and cardio and stuff like that, which is one of the reasons I'm not looking forward to the match with Akira because he's going to try and blow me up. But <laughs> it's fine. You're going to be my referee. I'm just going to lean on you. Um, <laughs> Sean, I'm fucking dying. Help me out. <laughs> um, but I had some time to train for that match, but me and Richie have never actually wrestled before. So it was kind of like we've known each other for well over 10 years. It's cool to finally have this match. And that was the story of the match. Like we know each other really, really well, but it's all theory based. We don't actually get in there and get to tangle very often. So that was kind of the, the story we told. And to be completely honest, we didn't talk about a lot backstage. We just went, oh, let's feel it like oh, we'll do the 20 count at some point. Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, I'm probably going to end up bleeding. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, well, like, and, and then like we spoke about the finish because the finish goes back to a backyard thing where him and Robbie Eagles did the generico brainbuster, um, and that was like their big backyard finish. But they fucked it up and like brainbusted him on the top of the ropes, and he went flying off into the crowd, um, which would have been better than what ended up happening to me. But yeah, <laughs> where we missed fucking everything, and I landed on my head. But <laughs> um, that was the story of the match, and it was just us feeling it and I, I i had an idea of how i wanted the match to go and i said i just want you to feel this i said i want you to feel the love that everyone's got for you don't you worry about coming up with spots and stuff like that like let me call the match to you let me tell let me say thank you on behalf of everybody through this match mm. and that's what we did yeah and well and, and uh going back to what we were talking about the crowd definitely showed a ton of love uh and that's why i felt like the the you know all the after moments and stuff after the finish because that finish was brutal and scary <laughs> uh me as a referee i'm like oh my god like my anxiety was through the roof just because i know how those moments can be and uh so and like what was crazy was the guy who won was the guy who was throwing up the x and like and i was like uh, who's hurt like is richie hurt like uh, so what you- happened is because we missed the turnbuckle i landed on richie uh-huh. Which is why I didn't die. Because if he had a like if I had missed Richie, so my yeah. shoulder landed in his ribs. Yeah. If that hadn't happened, it would have been my head on the mat that Absolutely. took all the impact. But yeah. it was my shoulder and his stomach that took all the impact, and that's what blew Oof. him up. So he was like the camera that we use for the edit, you can't see it, but on other angles, you, I actually reach over and grab his singlet and pull him on top of me because he's like, I'm fucked. I'm like, well, good thing it's the end of the match. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I pull him on top of me and like the second the three counts done, he's throwing up the X because he feels like he can't breathe. Um, and Oof. then because I somehow always stumble backwards into like having to cut these big long promos at shows. I'm trying to get out of the habit. <laughs> and like my plan was like, cool, match over. I'm fucking leaving. And you could close the goddamn show. Um, but he's like, dude, I can't breathe. I need like two minutes. You talking. You can hear me on the, the edit. I go, for fuck's sake. I really want to cut a promo. And 
I hadn't planned to say anything. So like everything that I said was from the heart because I didn't have any time to think. I didn't like, I wasn't planning on cutting a promo. I wasn't planning on saying shit. I just wanted to get out of there and get a beer. But he put, they, they put the fucking mic in my hand. And I, I just had to kind of summarize everything about Richie's career and what he means to all of us uh, in, in Melbourne wrestling and in Australian wrestling. And it was just that super amazing moment. So, so you can't write shit like that because I tried my hardest to not write that. And sometimes it just happens anyway. That's right. That's right, man. What, and to go back real quick to what Jeremy was talking about, um, just as far as like death matches in general in Australia. So are you guys really the first ones to have like a full blown death match, so to speak? As a company, like we're the first death match company. There okay. are there are other promotions around that, like I said, have done them sporadically. Like they'll do a death match to end a feud, or you know they'll bring Mad Dog in like as a no real barbed wire like that. Yeah, well, not yeah. even that. So like Mad Dog was the the champion of a company called BCW here in Melbourne, and uh-huh. he wrestled like a bunch of the local guys. He'd done a couple of matches with like Sabu and stuff like that. Uh, they they fly in a lot of internationals. Okay. So he'd done like a singles match with Sabu and a Nora Barbara with Sabu, and that was awesome. And then Kasai came over, and like that was full on death match, like heaps of fire, lots of glass, all that kind of shit. So, okay. and same with the match with Takeda. Like the match with Takeda was the first time painted glass has ever been used here in Australia, and it was a fucking sick painted glass, too. It went off like a bomb. It was awesome. And how long um, ago? Oh, maybe 2019, like right oh, before okay. the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. So it is so, still. What new? Yeah, but like I since guess. 2002, where Mad Dog did that no Robarbi match, like him uh-huh. and Crackerjack went around the loop doing all these 18 plus shows because that's kind of the thing. You because we have such a live music culture, there's a lot of music venues that'll let you do deathmatch stuff as long as you don't let any kids in. Okay. So like they did a circuit of no Robarbi matches and like barbed wire cage matches and flaming tables matches for years like and then guys had come in do some death matches for a couple of years and fuck off so it's always kept going the death match scene here for the last 20 years but it's never been at the top or like a focus it's always been oh okay we need something for this over 18 show because this music venue is going to pay us a ton of money okay we'll bring mad dog in to do a death match or hey these guys have been feuding for like a year Okay, cool. Let's do another barbed wire match. It's never mm-hmm. been this company is the deathmatch company, mm. uh, and, and until we came along. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that was one thing also that me and Jamie was talking about off the air. Just how, uh, just the because the, the the cool thing about we were talking about earlier, uh, just reach and stuff. Um, you know, you were talking about tape trading and how you would kind of. Uh, discovered guys like Devin Moore and Connor Claxton and stuff and, and Tremont through tape trading. And then now these days you got IWTV and I didn't even realize that uh, wrestling was a thing in Australia. I mean, of course, you know, you have uh, people, wrestlers that have came from Australia that have came over here to America. So obviously, and like, I was real blessed to work with Shaza when she came over here at one point back in like 18, I think. Um, she's back in a couple of weeks i was trying to uh we were trying to make the chattanooga weekend work actually but, uh, uh word uh she's so cool <laughs> but she's so- booked in california she was who <laughs> i pitched for the match of the chains i was like when i was talking about the names i pitched i said how about was- shazza it's like shazza's already booked fuck uh, damn it shazza was supposed to be on the, the i think the second 
No, it was meant to be her. It was meant to be her and Dickinson. Right, man. And then it fucking then the world shut down. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, but what I was gonna say, I I knew of course there was there was wrestling in Australia because I knew rest was from Australia. But then thanks to IWTV, it was just like, oh, there's like you know companies that are doing stuff that I'm able to check out, and not not just that, but deathmatch companies like. Because, man, the thing about deathmatch is one thing me and Jeremy were talking about is that it's so addictive. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, like, once you get into it, uh, it's really, really hard to get out. And you just want to immerse yourself in it all the time. Not only that, man, but I, I'm sure it's like that uh, over there. It sounds like it, especially from this interview. But over here, um, it's like one big family. Um, I feel like deathmatch guys, you know, um, kind of look out for each other more than some of the regular, uh, you know, quote unquote wrestling guys. Um, and, uh, so, but yeah, what I was saying, deathmatch wrestling is so addictive once you get into it, because like once I pretty much had my first taste of it working with Murdoch back in 2017, it was just like, Holy crap, what is this and where has it been? You know what I mean? And then to see deathmatch wrestling going on in Australia, it's just insane. And I didn't know how much history, you know, so I really appreciate you explaining that. Um, and uh, it's crazy to think that it's still kind of uh, a new inception as far as like, you know, death matches going hard. You know what I mean? Because uh, I mean, like we've had IWA and stuff like that here in America since, you know, your late 2000s. 96. Yeah. like Yeah. Late 90s even. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but insane that's crazy man and it's really cool to see you offline that banner yeah i mean you're right you're gonna be built kind of different for deathmatch wrestling you just gotta have you know a couple of screws loose but it's the same thing like anytime you go to wrestling school you're always taught take care of your opponent you're giving your opponent your body but the difference is like if you give your opponent your body in a normal wrestling match you fuck it up like you might be sore the next day you might even go to hospital in a deathmatch you give your opponent your body and they fuck up you die Exactly. Like we've seen and touch wood, like more recently than not recently, when shit goes bad, shit goes real bad. Yeah. Um, so there's that that brotherhood. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a gender neutral term for brotherhood, but like there's this this big family mentality mm-hmm. because there's that level of trust, that deep level of trust and understanding, because you know, we we all understand what we're what we're gambling with here and and kind of the consequences of what we do Mm -hmm. so it's super cool and it's like yeah it's the community here for dmdu and and like deathmatch overall in australia because since we've started there's been a couple other smaller deathmatch companies pop up like i said six below uh here in melbourne suplex wrestling in newcastle up in sydney they do a bunch of deathmatch stuff as well and they're starting to 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 harbor that same community in their own little markets but it transcends worldwide you know what i mean like i haven't met 98 percent of the people that i'm coming to hang out with and wrestle um in a month i haven't met these guys and girls in person but you know i talk to cologne three or four times a day i talk to neil every day i talk to schlack all the time i talk to you you know what i mean like i've got Mm -hmm. and struggles and cannonball and i've got friends all over America that I haven't had the opportunity to hang out with in person, but it feels like I've known you all my entire life. Do you know what I mean? Because of that bond, um, that that kind of that underlying, that unwritten bond that comes with doing something so inherently fucking dumb as deathmatch wrestling. (laughs) Um, But I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I found deathmatch wrestling not long after I found wrestling. Um, 
I got into wrestling like right in the middle of the Attitude Era, but here you had to stay up to like 3 a.m. to watch Raw or Nitro. Um, and if you had one cable provider, it was Nitro. If you had the other cable provider, it was Raw. Wow. So like you'd have fights on the playground because some kid had Foxtel and the other one had Ozstar and that one watched Nitro and that one watched Raw. And Goldberg's <laughs> a piece of shit. Yeah, well, Stone Cold's an asshole. <laughs> like, and you'd have huge fucking brawls. But then I got to watch like the last three CW pay-per-views live. Um, okay. in terms of like when they were released, like that kind of time frame, uh, I was like nine or 10, definitely shouldn't have been watching them. But once I found live local pro wrestling, cause I started training like immediately as a kid, terrible idea. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> my lower back and knees are fucked because of it. But the guy who took me under his wing and didn't just treat me like some dumb kid immediately showed me like FMW and IWA King of the death. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, the cactus funk tournament. So I'd only known about wrestling for like two years and I went, oh, Chris Benoit is really sick. Uh, you know, Perry Satin's awesome and is like, hey, check this out. This is Hayabusa and Anita like getting blown up. And I was like, well, this is the coolest fucking thing in the world. Why would I want to go and wrestle on television when I could go and be an action movie star and blow shit up for a living? Um, <laughs> where my fascination with Anita comes in. Again, you can't see because it's an audio platform, but my backdrop for my Zoom meetings is like all my Anita shirts hung up behind me. Um, so, <laughs> but that, that was my introduction to Deathmatch Wrestling. Before I even took like proper bumps or had a match, I had this very romantic view of Deathmatch Wrestling. And mm. now, 20 plus years on, I still have that, you know, romantic feeling of Deathmatch Wrestling, which is why I'm so excited to go and wrestle in a random shed in the industrial area of fucking Williamstown, New Jersey, <laughs> or, you know, some random Knights of Columbus hall that everybody drives past in the middle of Detroit and goes, oh, it's just another building. But I go, do you know what happened inside that fucking building? Yeah, um, same thing with the TWE arena. Yep. And, you know, getting to do a no ring with Cass. Like, I get to... That, that's the, the kind of the one match we haven't touched on yet as a part of this tour. Mm -hmm. That finishes a two-year story of when Casanova came here and did a no ring, which launched the MDU. Mm -hmm. So now I, we get to pay it off two years down the track. Like, we've got some promos that are going to come out over the next week or two. But I have a massive like seven inch scar on the back of my head from that match that, you know, I, I touch every morning in the shower. And that's a reminder of, you know, the the physical reminder that Cass gave me uh, back in March 2020. And now March 2022, I get to come to his home and leave him with a reminder. So hopefully I yeah, can leave him with a couple of scars that every morning in the shower, he goes, oh, Joel gave me that one. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So that's. I'm glad I'm glad that you had uh, reminded me of that because I was actually there um, at the show where he had cut the promo after um, what was it? Him, uh, him and Murdoch. Yeah. Um, or he had called you out. And uh, so but those new Fear City shows are well, at least that one that I was at. And I've seen some other ones, of course, on YouTube and stuff. But. Yo, they are crazy. <laughs> so uh, I've heard about be... what the undercard's gonna be. Uh, I, I'm not gonna announce it. That's up to the cast, but it's gonna be fucking wild. So if you live in the Northeast, you want to be there. It's gonna be nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, going back real quick, um, you were talking about <clears throat> uh, you kind of answered somewhat a question that I'd had as far as when you got into death matches, um, and and then so and it's crazy because you could definitely see your american influence on your style um as far as like just going back um so like what what were some of the companies that you were like just pretty much anything and everything you could get your hands on uh coming when out? i was younger yeah 
So like, it, it's so no, fascinating. To me. It's so fascinating to me whenever. Sorry to cut you off, but whenever there are guys who are like workers now who grew up watching the because I, I wasn't privy to that growing up, even though you know it was it was out there um, and it was easy easily accessible if I were to really look into it. Um, yep. but I didn't really know about IWA and Mid-South and all that stuff until, or IWA and CZW and stuff until I started working for IWA. And then it was like, I opened okay. Pandora's box and I was just like, what the hell, <laughs> you know, like, so, apart, you know, <laughs> for me, like I said, I got introduced to like the Japanese stuff first. So before I knew what CZW was, I, there was a, a company called Tokyo pop. I don't know. I think you guys had them in the U S sure. Yeah. But we used to get FMW DVD releases yep. with the dubbed commentary of John Watanabe. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? I remember John Watanabe. Yeah. I can't remember who his other fucking That commentary was rough, bro. I, I thought it was. The commentary was dog shit, right? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but like, I put Tetsu Kuroda on a pedestal because he was the baby face champion at FMW. I've right. gone back and watched Kuroda's matches and they fucking suck. But <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I again, you, uh, hang on, wait, I'll flick my camera on. This is going to be really annoying for people uh, who are listening to this, but like, so you can see in my background, I got like Team No Respect, Wing, that's an Onita All Japan shirt, that's right. an All Japan jacket, and then wow. I've got stuff like this sitting on my shelf. So this is like the uh, the pro wrestling magazine wow. when we Ibusa died, and I'll swing this Jeez. around a little bit. If I unplug you, am I going to lose you? No, we're good. But like, so that's all figures, but that's like every Onita figure that's, oh. I've got a Hayabusa back there. I got the only Mike Awesome figure that exists. Wow, dude. That's yeah. my fandom. That was what, uh, oh, fuck, I lost my mouse. Oh, well, give me a sec. Um, that, that was my passion with death matches. And then there was that crossover, I guess, that ECW, CZW crossover where like Tajiri went and did uh like he won the CZW junior right. title for in Seoul. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's all New Jersey, right? Yep. So yep. it it was that kind of stuff that started to introduce me to the local thing. And then That's it awesome. was all like MV zone. And like when you used to have to just download GIFs of moves, mm -hmm. like this is because this is all pre-YouTube. So like I think one of like the first deathmatch videos I saw was set to uh, this isn't a fashion statement. It's a fucking death wish by My Chemical Romance, and it was like Mid South CZW MAW. Oh um, yeah, Mid American. All, yeah, yeah. All all edited together, and Sweet. it was all these sick clips like the the superplex where Pondo superplex Necro into the ladder and the tubes, and Necro got the chunk taken out of his oh, arm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like all nasty. the TOD, all all the TOD two spots and the assault driver off the rider truck, and <laughs> you know. Um, Zandig hitting wife beater with the fucking thumbtack keyboard nail stuck in his arm. Uh, Ian getting hit in the head with the tack bat at TOD too. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then because these shows weren't distributed here. So there was one shop and it still exists called Minotaur. It was a comic book store. And occasionally they'd get like XPW DVDs in. So you'd buy them and you'd watch them and you'd immediately regret it because they were terrible. But <laughs> Like, I became a huge Messiah, Mark. And then, uh, God rest his soul, Lyle Williams' website. Mm. 
So Lyle used to be the photographer for CZW in that yep. early era yep. and upload like 600 high res photos of every show. Mm. And it was Lyle's website where I'd be able to kind of follow the stories that and the CZWfans.com. So sitting on a message board for the other side of the world. So between like the stories getting told on the message board and being able to, I guess, uh, correlate them with the, uh, the photos, I was kind of able to work out what the fuck was going on. And then YouTube became a thing. And then I was able to kind of keep up relatively quickly um, because at that point there was no copyright stuff. So eventually all the CCW shows would end up on YouTube and you just watch them or download the individual matches or the spots or whatever. So that was how I found it. But yeah, like that's why I, I the fact that, you know, like people like Devin Moore and stuff like that, like I've been a Devin Moore mark for hmm. years, like going back to, you know, the, the crazy eight match and stuff like that. Like with the, the ropes from PWX was it PWX UXW. No, yeah. whichever rope had the, the swing, the rope swings, uh, whichever right. match of the rope swings from before they did it at uh, the arena. PWU. PWU, thank yes. you. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, so like I put people like Devin Moore and Bull Payne and, you know, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Like Hell these yeah. guys with the OGs. Oh, and it, it go going back to like that romantic look at wrestling. And it's like these guys are fucking legends. <laughs> yep. As you grow up, obviously, those rose tinted glasses come off and you realize that they're just dudes like the rest of us. <laughs> right. Just trying to get by and do their thing. So, yeah. And, and then from there, it was off to the races. And I followed pretty much every deathmatch show that I could super closely. Like, I, I think that kind of golden era of East Coast was really amazing at the time. Um, and I don't think there's ever been a run like it, like those three or four Masters of Pains, which is so fucking good. Um, <laughs> but... And and then it comes full circle, me getting to come in 2022 and potentially, you know, like I fly into Atlanta on the Thursday night and, you know, like I go, fuck, how am I going to get from Atlanta to Chattanooga? And someone who I've been like, I'll name drop the fuck out of him. I don't care. But <laughs> I've been watching Insane Lane on tape since fucking I knew what death match oh, wrestling was. Oh, you know what man. I mean? He's an like, awesome guy. Insane Lane is one of the OGs. Hell like, yeah. It was so sad to hear that he was done at one point and like evaporated for a decade. And right. now he's back and he's fucking crushing it. So I'm like, Holy he looks shit, better I than might... ever, man. Right. I might get a two hour car ride from fucking Atlanta airport to Chattanooga, Tennessee with insane lane. And I wow. need to pick this guy's brain. That's you know what I mean? I got, so I've got 20 <laughs> years of questions to ask insane lane so and nothing dope. but the road in front of us to fucking yeah. hash all this shit out. Wow. Yeah, man. I yeah. love that shit. That's he will this let trip. I know, he, but like that's yeah, what this he will trip let you pick his brain. He loves to talk, man. I love talking it up with Insane Lane. He's one of my favorite dudes. So, yeah, but great that, dude. like that's what this trip this trip is. You know what I mean? I've been watching yeah. Murdoch since before he was Murdoch, yeah. and before he was really a deathmatch guy and having really shitty matches with PG thirteen. Like that's <laughs> that's uh, and I rip the fuck out of him about it. Too, I tell you what, but like it's so cool to be able to come. And do this, and like I, I said kind of at the start, I don't think a lot of the American guys realize the influence they have on, like, global wrestling as a whole. <laughs> because all the Deathmatch guys in DMDU, like, yeah, we all watch Mad Dog and Cracker Jacket, live independent shows. But the guys that we idolize are fucking, like, Sick Nick and 
Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and Messiah and Justice Payne and guys like that, mm -hmm. um, who, once you take those rose tinted glasses off, they're just dudes. Yeah. But to us, they're these huge fucking superstars. Even if it's just an independent level in the US, the entire world watches the US scene. So mm. it, it's cool to come and kind of knock some of that stuff off. Like Pondo is a legend, like worldwide, internationally renowned. Yeah. I can't wait. Hopefully, I get to wrestle Pondo and I can kind of, like I did with Richie Taylor, I can tell that story through the match of how much Pondo means to all of us. Hmm. And like I'll tell I'll tell you off air. I don't want to like I said, I don't want to break too much cafe, but there's things that I want to do with Pondo that kind of is a nice little throwback and a tribute to stuff that he did 15 years ago that maybe he doesn't remember or understand wow. how influential it was. But there's an entire generation of talent that is stealing Madman Pondo spots. Yeah. Incredible, yeah. man. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know if these guys are aware of that kind of influence that they have. So that's one of the cool things about me coming over to your house where I can kind of Right. Just go, hey, just so you know, there's an entire generation of talent all over the world that think you're the fucking man. I hope you know that. <laughs> like, yep. and, and just help give, I guess, some of the guys a bit of perspective. Yeah. yeah Joel, when, uh, when I had Pondo on the, I had Pondo on the podcast and I opened up the show and said, deathmatch royalty, madman Pondo. And he, he said, royalty. Yeah, that's Terry Funk and you know, whatever like that. And I, and I thought, ah, he's gotta be just <laughs> he's gotta know that he is that, you know. If there mm. is but such it, a thing, it's Madman Pondo. But it's the same thing, you know what I mean? Like I remember Insane Lane coming out to Method Man and doing fucking razor wire matches for <laughs> Deep South before sure. Deep South was the drizzling shit. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> I can't wait to tell Insane Lane that you know, that's influential, not only to me, but, you know, if I've got young deathmatch talent going, what should I go and watch? You go, go watch the second Carnage Cup, the good one with the fucking razor board match in the four-way final. Uh -huh. Not the one that got shut down by the cops or the one that was overtly <laughs> racist. Right, yes. Like, <laughs> every single person that I get to have an interaction with, I've got either first-hand stories or stories that, you know, my peers here in Australia tell me that I can then pass on. I can't wait to do that. I've got a couple of like promos that I've got in built into my head for like the H2O show and stuff like that. I, well, I won't cut them on you now, but awesome. I can't wait to tell all these stories in and out of the ring. So, so I hope people actually fucking come and check them out because <sighs> Australians don't come to America every day. It's really fucking difficult to do. Yeah. It's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not as close as England. England's an eight hour flight. I'm a 30 hour flight. So wow. Man, you know, Jeremy, it's funny because uh, that Joel, your story, even though it's on a completely different scale, obviously, uh, just how you fell in love with deathmatch wrestling, it sounds a lot like uh, when we had Remington Roar on our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and he talks about how he was like six, seven years old watching IWA Mid South and, <laughs> yeah. South and CZW. And like, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and now for him to wrestle guys like Pondo um you know it's just it's really cool man I, I i really love stories like that where um you know people because i'm such a huge fan of wrestling just in general and i watch literally everything now because there's so much to watch um and uh but back in the day man like whenever i like i said when i first got with iwa mid-south um you know four or five years ago 
I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what have I missed out on? Uh, and then going back and watching, you know. And watching old, old school Ted Petty Invitational. Oh, and you're like, oh yeah. That's uh, fucking Matt Seidel in the stupid oh, green dude. tights. Like, oh, hell yeah. Listen, listen, when I worked for IWA, <laughs> there was literally a time period where every TPI that I worked, it was like TPI week for me. So I would literally every day, Monday through, uh, you know, Thursday was usually because we would have a pre kind of TPI show, whatever it would be called. And then we would have TPI on Friday and Saturday. Uh, I would watch old TPIs leading up to <laughs> just to get myself so hyped up, whether it be from uh, 2004, 2006, you know, those big famous TPIs or even like 2016 and 17 TPIs. Um, yeah. and I would just go back and get hyped. Same thing with King of the Death match. I would do the same thing. Um, the, cause I've worked, I think I worked three or four of them, however many I worked. Um, I would go back and watch just old Kings and get really hyped up for it the whole week of, and I would call it King week and really hype myself up, man. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how much history there is. Uh, and then not only that, but like to hear from somebody, cause I, like, I feel like you are somewhat of an Australian legend, like you know, there's a lot of you have a lot of people that uh, show you love and respect and, and you're doing something really, really special over there. But not just that you are a huge like deathmatch fan and like your knowledge of everything. And then for you to come over and get to hang out with us is going to be super special. I'm, I'm even more hyped than I was about it. So, hell yeah. Yeah, your knowledge of the indies, Joel. I, I just love it, man. I could talk to you for hours. I know you've seen that. TPI 04 that that I mean some people call that the greatest show the greatest independent show period and I've got, them, know, all, I've got them all in my head which one was 04 04 man that was, was like that was that Loki our cannon and yes was that, and that it, final yeah and well no uh, yeah AJ AJ won 04 but yeah the lineup was. It was like AJ Danielson and Punk in the final or something. Yeah, was it? that's it. That, yeah, so that's 04. I'm thinking of 05, which is like Loki, Eric, yeah. and someone else. I think it might be AJ again. Right. Okay. And those yeah. years, I mean, they they like set up, it like set up wrestling for yeah. <laughs> for decades. But that's right? what I mean. There are people yeah. still stealing spots from these shows. Sure, of mm. course, yeah. And <laughs> my my big thing at the moment and like ultimately we're in professional wrestling sadly we have a lot more death than most industries right but it's it's bittersweet to see people like jimmy rave get mm. their flowers while mm. they're still around to receive them do you know what i mean right like I, i'm absolutely loving the fact that eric cannon's starting to pop up on like AEW dark and stuff like that because people now finally get to tell eric cannon how much fucking eric cannon mean to them exactly in, in their formative years Eddie yeah. Kingston, the amount of that people who have tried yeah. to be fucking Eddie Kingston in the last 20 years and uh. a generation <laughs> of talent, like, and the way they cut promos in the next 20 years is going to be unbelievable because they're all yeah. growing up and going back into the back catalog of what motivates Eddie to cut a promo. No one sure. can cut a promo like Eddie Kingston, but people can find the motivation the way Eddie Kingston finds motivation. Yep. So you see these big, passionate, believable promos because you can make it real and that's what eddie always did mm -hmm. i love that now in like the, these last couple of years the guys who were so influential in the early to mid 2000s and now being told just how influential they were especially if they didn't go on to like superstardom like a punk or a joe or an aj guys like a jimmy rave or an Eric cannon or a chris bosch 
and right. Devin Moore, Drew Blood. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, <laughs> Robert Anthony, guy, guys like that. Yeah. That Ego. The guys now, Man, he can still yeah. go. He can go all day. Ego Holy can fuck, go. right? His match yeah. with Kylie Ray from, uh, was it uh, AIW? I think it was. No, Freelance was fucking Freelance. awesome. Yeah. 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 That match was rad. Yeah. But, like, I, I love that we can now start to pass that on and not be afraid of the quote-unquote, don't be a mark about it. Fuck no, because I hate it when, you know, sadly, somebody does pass away. Everyone goes, this guy was the fucking coolest. That's Tell right. them now. Yeah. Yeah, you may yeah. they may be having a real fucking bad day, and it might be really cool to hear that. Shit. That's right, Joel. Oh, tell them, yeah. tell them, and get that fucking picture with him and do whatever because yeah. yeah, we did a uh during the pandemic we did a couple of online seminars. Uh, I hit some of the guys up over there who obviously weren't working because of the pandemic, so we did one with Tremont, which was really helpful. And we did one with Pondo, and Pondo said, "Am I marked for taking the picture?" And a couple of the people in the seminar went, oh, "I think so," and he said, <laughs> "Fuck it." Who cares? Right. Because the the only thing that's real is, you know, the only thing we get out of this business is memories that's and right. our health. That's right. And sometimes yeah. we don't even get out with our health. No. Dude. So not that often actually. Take the picture. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Tell that person what they meant to you. If they're gonna be an asshole about it, then that's on them and they can live with Man. it tonight. But I can imagine if someone went up to somebody like Neil Diamond Cutter, who's still fucking grinding after almost 20 years, and went, hey, man, that Prince of the Death match, your match with Simon Says, made me want to be a fucking professional wrestler. That'd make Neil's weak. Dude. Do you know what I mean? Like, he would be on cloud nine for ages. Because I know Neil. It would. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I've told him. Yeah, like when, yeah. when we started becoming mates, I'm like, dude, I used to watch your shit because we're the same size, and you didn't. And really it probably made him cry. Knowing Neil, yeah. it probably made him tear up. Like main event, uh, what was it? Main event night one, King of the Death. I think it was him and Drake. When like Drake was like the top guy in death matches, and I think it was him and Neil night one and one of King of the Deaths. Um, and they did the uh, they did the Drake's landing through the skill board. It was fucking disgusting. <laughs> um, but like I told him that I said I remember this and I remember the, 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 he's like I can't believe that people on the other side of the world remember that. And I was like yeah. I wish more people would take the time to tell people this is what I remember. This is what you mean to me as a performer yeah. or as a person or whatever. And I like now that that culture's starting to come out. So sure. I can't I- wait to come and do shows with all these people and be like, look, I'm gonna be a mark for a second, but. Hell and yeah. then just unload all this shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get to do a show with Tank. You know how cool it is? Oh, wow. <laughs> man. Yeah. It's, I, I'm sure you've watched so much Tank. And, dude, it's really, really crazy uh, that you were saying that because when Jeremy had said, take the pictures, that the person that taught me that in my whole entire career uh, was Pondo. Because Pondo uh, literally lives two minutes from me. Uh, the world, fa- I'm, well, you watch enough indie wrestling. The world famous Jeffersonville Arena. Um, oh, I know. And a fight underground's building, yeah. Uh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, the, the Jeffersonville one. Yep, sorry. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Jeffersonville. Way mm-hmm. ran. Uh, Paradigm Pro runs there also. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Literally, place. it's two minutes from my house, uh, and that's yep. where Pondo lives. At it's two tough Tony's building. Um, yes. so, but, uh, but yeah, and, and that, that's pretty much like a second home to me. Tony is my guy. Um, and even that, like whenever I've figured out that Tony is who he is and like looking back on his history, uh, and the fact that, you know, he calls me anytime he needs a referee, 
uh, I'm just like, dog, it's my guy. <laughs> you know Dude, I, mean? I would freak the fuck out if we could get Bakagaijin out of retirement. Just have right? one more like proper crack. Like, I don't care. I will take every stupid bump. I will take that two tough flip and he's going to fucking kill me with it. And I don't care. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but no, going back. Yeah. Pondo was the first one that was like really, you know, kind of uh, made me break that stigma because I was doing music before I was doing um before I was doing uh, the wrestling like really full time and taking it seriously and all that. Yeah. But um, that was some of the things that I missed out on is I didn't want to feel like a mark, uh, even though I was a huge fan of everybody that I was rolling with doing music stuff to the point where I was almost listening to nothing but Louisville artists at one point. And now those guys are like starting to become superstars like your Bryson Tillers and your Jack Harlow's. I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of them, um, but but yeah, it's just, it's crazy because back then I was working with them all the time and now I don't have anything to prove from it, you know, because I didn't, I wasn't that type of dude to take pictures with people or anything. And, and then once I got into wrestling and, and Pondo, uh, you know, such a legendary dude, as we've talked about this episode was like, no, I'll take the pictures. Cause you don't know how long these people are going to be around. Uh, and then to hear him, to hear you say that he literally told you guys the same freaking thing. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Exactly. And Joel, as we start to wind this puppy down, man, I I gotta kind of take your advice and the things you've just been talking about. Let's let's show some love to some people, man. That I think we all have in common that we love. First of all, you mentioned him. I mean, before when you were talking about the Hood Slam tournament, and you were talking about hanging with DMac, man. How did you hook up with Darren McCarty, man? That that dude's fucking awesome. Same way, uh, you know, I, I, I started to run in circles with you guys, Rafe, Faces and Feels podcast. Yeah, man. cool. Like, Rafe's such an amazing supporter of Deathmatch Wrestling worldwide. Um, and DMAX, like, so my wife's like possibly the biggest Caps fan in Australia. Like, oh, hands wow. Down. Yeah. Um, there's a, <laughs> the, the, yeah, my son's middle name is Alexander. And, oh, wow. Yeah, so if people ask me, I say it's for Cologne. If people ask her, she says it's for Ovechkin. It's for Ovi, like, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> and, uh, yeah, everything is number eight in my house. But um, <laughs> we're massive hockey... Like, like just a massive ice hockey fan. And, and then, like, when you saw DMAC was announced for ICW, you're like, holy fuck, like, someone... Like, one of the last great enforcers, you know what I mean? Four-time Stanley Cup winner. Like, I'm one of the hardest men on fucking planet Earth. Wants <laughs> right. to be involved in professional wrestling. And, and, and like, yeah. fuck me, the balls on Brandon Cook to, like, willingly take a bunch from him. You're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> but, but then to hear that he's such a passionate fan of pro wrestling. Right. He's That's not right. liking wrestling because... You know, like so, some other people who are outside of the wrestling business are starting to come in now because it's white hot on an independent level again. He's a fan. Do you know what I mean? And like he knows his history. Oh, yeah. He genuinely loves the business. And Darren McCarty could be doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Right. That's right. With his time and with his money because he's earned the ability to do that. And he chooses to go to small indie shows and manage up and coming tag teams and lend his name to people who, you know, you may not know. Uh, And he'll insert himself in angles and he'll take bumps and he doesn't have to do any of that. Do commentary. And D-Mac's good at everything. Everything he does involving wrestling, D-Mac's good at, I think. Yeah, because he's (laughs) world class at whatever whatever D-Mac sets his mind to. He performs at a level that I don't think many other people on planet Earth really understand. 
because oh, yeah. he's performed at that elite level. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know what it's like to win uh, the grand final, which is the Australian Rules Football version of Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know what it's like to win the grand final or the Ashes in cricket or Stanley sure. Cup or a Super Bowl sure. or a World Series. He's done it four fucking times, so he knows how to perform <laughs> right? at that elite level. Yeah, yeah. And then hearing that he's like, like Rave's like, oh hey, they're not watches the end. What the fuck? <laughs> like someone who's on a pedestal so high in my book that I can't even see it watches our little secret club down here in Australia. It's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And then, you know, like I, I said, I was coming and, and Rafe says, D-Max came to hang out. I was like, what the fuck? Cool. And then I hear that he's going to be in Tennessee. It was like, rad, awesome. And then I'm booked in Detroit. We get to hang out again. Oh, this is the coolest shit ever. Like, mm. I, I, I make this joke to my friends all the time. I say, this timeline goes all right. Like, if there's a parallel universe, I don't want to know what the other guy's up to because this one goes all right. <laughs> because <laughs> there is now a world that I live in where in a month's time, I get to hang out with somebody like him. <laughs> right? The coolest thing on fucking planet. Earth. I can't wait to buy him a beer. Like, wow. That's he's so a great cool. dude. Yeah, he's he really not- is, man. He's a wonderful well, guy. And, and what was wild about it uh, for me, because, like, I didn't watch a whole lot of ice hockey. However, um, I used to play nothing but sports video games. And so I used to love the EA NHL games. I used to play them all the time with me and my little brother. And, of course, he was always on uh, every all-star team. And then I would pick the Red Wings from time to time because me and my little brother would pick different teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, DMAC was always one of the guys that you just remembered because he was always – uh, well, for me specifically, I used to, well, everybody that played those video games used to love to, you know, throw the gloves off and start fighting. And his, like, aggression level or fighting level. had the best level, stats. Yeah, exactly. It was always the highest, you know? Uh, so you always remember Darren McCart. Like, I just always remember that name. And then whenever he got announced for ICW, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then shout out to Tom Customs. He made that really cool graphic of Darren McCarty. Uh, and it looked like the old EHL, uh, EA, EA NHL games. Uh, and that was just full circle for me because I was just like, all right. I mean, it hyped me up even more for the show. Uh, but then now, like I spent literally back-to-back weekends with Darren. Uh, I think it was about a month ago whenever we had the ICW um, anniversary show. And then the next day or the next weekend, I had RPW. And, uh, and dude, like just to see him in a locker room and like, uh, for instance, one of the really cool things was him interacting with uh, one of my mentors, Isaiah, uh, which I'm sure somebody, if you know, you being, I know fucking Isaiah, man, the flip, you know who Isaiah is. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to do the chess one on once and almost separated both of my shoulders. (laughs) Um, <laughs> so yeah they don't make it they don't build them like isaiah anymore i'll tell you what <laughs> not at yeah. all bro. not at all that, that's my guy and to see dmac interact with isaiah who yeah as as awesome as he is in the ring he's a very wise and just awesome dude to talk to outside of it uh and like you know just seeing him in general because he's always got product with him also uh <laughs> those those cbd gummies man and the roll-on oh brother can't wait for you to try that so i was just thinking like how do i know i said what was my first isaiah experience my first isaiah thing i remember him wrestling chris hero on a jcw show and like like a jungle championship wrestling show in like 2004 like fucking fat hero yeah (laughs) (laughs) like like early puppy fat hero wrestling isaiah on a jungle Uh same show that necro and um necro and pondo wrestled man 
that's crazy, bro. I'm, I, dude, that, I'm so glad that you said that and that you, uh, you brought that memory up because I'm going to clip this and send it to High. Uh, and <laughs> he's going to feel very similar to how uh, Neil felt whenever you told awesome. him how big I'm pretty you are. sure that was the same show where uh, Matt Cross broke the middle rope and they didn't fix it and they just ran with High is, two ropes. High is one of those dudes who he needs all of his flowers uh, and he, he doesn't know how much he's appreciated. So I agree. But like there's even a generation now, like I don't think AR Fox would be the wrestler that he is without like studying Isaiah tapes and just realizing, holy fuck, I can actually do no, this. I know that for a fact. With you're my right. body. Do you know what look, I mean? And then look right, at dude. how many people steal AR Fox's shit. He's a guy who needs his flowers. So, but then like Joe, the yeah. next generation back to Isaiah. Sorry to cut you off, Joe, but I'm so glad that you just said that. I will send you a link once we get off of here. Isaiah and AR Fox had a match, and I was fortunate to referee it. Um, yeah, I'm in for that. I'm all about that. We we actually um, we had a moment out in the parking lot. We were all three hanging out because you know High is my big brother, uh, and AR Fox that was my first time actually meeting him. And at the time, Lucha Underground was like you know rolling, and I was just like a huge fan of this dude. Um, and so, but to hear Fox tell High that he literally told him that that. You know, you influenced my generation, guys like me. And uh, and the fact that, you know, whenever they asked me, do I want to have this match? He said he couldn't have jumped on it faster, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, bro. No, that, that's, that's so sick. awesome, man. Yeah, see, that's the thing, Joel. I mean, you're so knowledgeable and you know, all, you know so much about what has been going on over here. You know, I could... Just we just throw names at you, and you remember <laughs> obscure shit, man. That's awesome. <laughs> putting a smile on but, my face, man. You really are. But before oh, we bad. we get off topic, I want to I want to hit one more person, and now we got to go down to Sean's neck of the woods in Louisville, Kentucky, and talk about our boy Corey Deathmatch Worldwide. I see you got a store presence on there, man. Well, when did you link up with Corey? I linked up with Corey pretty much when they when they kicked off, but we obviously have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah, but I don't think anyone really appreciates just how much Corey loves wrestling. Oh yeah, and how much of a genuine artist Corey is. So mm-hmm. I, as most people my age did, left school really really young. I quit school before uh, before I turned sixteen. So I did a lot of uh, entry level jobs. I worked as a screen printer for a little bit, and then I worked as a salesman for a t-shirt company relatively recently. So I've got a base level of understanding about what Corey does. And getting to sit there as a performer and as a vendor with him and pick his brain on the artistic side of things with what he does with Deathmatch Worldwide. like, And this is you know, outside of, obviously, he provides a platform for all of us to make a little bit more money, which is amazing. He uh, sponsors wrestling shows when you know, the business is doing well to continue to support the industry that we love. So outside of all that, as a... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got a message from my boss. Uh, as a, an, an artist and someone who, who creates uh, T-shirts and merchandise and stuff like that, he is so switched on and, and so passionate about what he does. Uh, I've actually got a tour T-shirt that I'm going to have when I'm in the U.S. Um, that Corey's doing for me. And Sean, now that I know you live near him, I'm going to get you to bring them down because I don't fucking trust Akira. But <laughs> it's, um, it's super, super cool um, to find people who have a passion and be able to circle whatever that passion is back into professional wrestling. I love that kind of stuff. Absolutely we, adore it. 
Yeah, me too. Guys like struggles, you know. Who uh, guys who like struggles? Guys like Tom Customs, uh, yeah. Fire J down in Texas. Like, right. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. They <laughs> love they it. love we. I say this to my trainees. Wrestling is dumb, right? <laughs> it's fucking stupid. We are fake fighting and getting hurt for real, and the only people who believe it's real are the guys who are doing the fake fight. It's fucking stupid, but we all like this big stupid thing together. Yeah. yeah, which is why I don't get so you know some of the beef that comes in and out. Obviously, like money is the root of all evil, but we we're all still that eight-year-old kid i say to my trainees say what did you want to be before you wanted to be a wrestler like when you're eight years old what did you want to be and they're like oh i wanted to be a race car driver i wanted to be a professional sports player and i said once you found wrestling you wanted to be a wrestler right and they're like yeah i said imagine going back to your eight-year-old self and saying the thing that you want to be when you grow up you actually get to be man it's <laughs> crazy i love I, that shit I think about and that then yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I try and just say, like, don't lose the forest from the trees. And, and, you know, people like yourselves and people like, you know, Ivan and Struggles and Tom and Corey, they love professional wrestling and take what they're good at, what they're passionate about. Sometimes those two things aren't mutually exclusive and are able to wrap them up in this crazy little world and become a part of this amazing little community that we're all in together, this big mm -hmm. fucking stupid community. Like this is Neverland for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I can't get enough of it. And that's again, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to come and meet not only all, all the people who are performing on the shows, but the back of house people. Like I know who, who do a lot of the, the, the work for whether it be, you know, H2O or horror slam or ICW or, you know, the team with No Fear City. Um, I, I can't wait. I'm so keen mm. to just meet everybody in person and hang out because we have this big stupid thing in common. Anytime I've gone on holidays or traveled, like when I've gone to Japan, I don't speak Japanese. My wife speaks pretty good Japanese. I don't speak a fucking word. <laughs> but I walk into a bar in Osaka, which isn't a massive wrestling town, in a Kenta Kobashi t-shirt, and they read the Japanese wrestling, the, the, they read Kobashi Kenta on my t-shirt. We're friends. Why? Because <laughs> yeah. they like wrestling. Yep. They like wrestling. You like wrestling. Let's be friends. And then they'll go and they'll like sift through something and they'll find like a random old magazine or they'll like put a DVD on on the TV in the bar. Like I don't expect that kind of shit, but it it, it, it uh, transcends language, location, race, generation, you name it. Wrestling it transcends all those things and you have a bond with somebody else that likes wrestling and you can find a common ground really, really easily. I love that shit. Absolutely adore it. Yeah, me too, bro. Yeah. Oh, and like the same way that this podcast even got started with Jeremy. Uh, you know, a lot of those CCW and even some of those ECW shows that you were talking about watching overseas, Jeremy was at and he was very fortunate to be at. Uh, or even like th that's actually how me and him met was at my very first King of the Death match. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. And then Jeremy started this podcast from watching IWTV shows and reviewing them and then interviewing guys that was off of it. Uh, you know, some of your like, like lesser known guys, you know what I mean? Um, and so, uh, and then me and him used to review show. I used to be like his most, uh, I guess, reoccurring guest. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. and, and here we are, me and him are co-host and, you know, we do mainly interviews now, but then we try to sprinkle in as many reviews as we can. But, uh, but yeah, that's literally how this got started is, uh, somebody like Jeremy just being a huge fan 
And now he uses all the knowledge that he has to, uh, you know, where we have really cool conversations like this, where Jeremy has the knowledge and, you know, and then I'll kind of throw in with the different stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. it works. Out. It's really cool. And then we get a guest like you that knows more than all of us put together, man. You're fucking, hey. you, you know it all, man. You're dope. But I'm going to tell you uh, something because you love, you love what we do over here. But man, I'm, me and Sean are looking at you going, look at this fucking superstar getting ready to come over here. So we're just okay. tickled. We're just a tickled that you're going to be here, man. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, man. That's the thing that I still now struggle to get my head around because, yeah. as, as you've said, you, you can hear, hear my love and admiration. Oh, yeah. All professional wrestling, the fact that we now have a product that people are looking at in the same way that I've spent the last 20 years looking at wrestling <laughs> is surreal to me. Blows my <laughs> fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, Joel. Well, I mean, you know, it's all big things to come i'm i'm positive of that because deathmatch down under has been on fire since you cracked you cracked on the scene here really with kind of iwtv and it was an immediate buzz you know i felt so yeah it's just bigger and better better things to come but dude you got to tell the listeners uh before we really start winding this down you know tell the listeners where they can follow you man to find out what's up with the smash it all right, promo time. <clears throat> right, let me get my let me get my plug voice on. Uh, I run me and a few friends of mine run a little wrestling company here in Melbourne, Australia called Deathmatch Down Under. You can find us on Twitter at DM Down Under and on Instagram at Deathmatch Down Under, deathmatchdownunder.com.au. I'm on all social media platforms as the smash underscore hit. I really like talking about wrestling. My wife's fucking sick of hearing about it. So please hit me up if you want to talk about the business. I'm all about it. Um, I am coming to the United States uh, in just under a month. March 10th and 11th, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee for ICW No Holds Barred. 14th of March, I'm at the H2O Wrestling Center in Williamstown, New Jersey. The 17th and 18th, you will find me in Detroit, Michigan for the Murder City Tournament for the Horace Slam promotion. And then wrapping up in Brooklyn, New York on the 19th of March with No New Fear City. Come out, see me. I'll have cool t-shirts. I'm bringing a bunch of Australian chocolates and Tim Tams and shit to share with my friends. So that's awesome. yeah, um, come out, hang out. Let's drink beer because if Australians are going to one thing, it's drinking beer. Uh, nice. And maybe we'll do some wrestling as well, I guess, if I have to. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I already know uh, that because um, since you mentioned it, the beer, my, uh, my beer plug will be down in Chattanooga. So uh, definitely we'll have to trade uh if somebody brings you some down hopefully somebody's listening and uh and they will bring you plenty of beer down to chattanooga you said you already got somebody though right i i'm trying to hook up people in it honestly every city because i just want to try like the best what everybody thinks the best craft beer is in that particular town i'm fucking all about it so but i'm also like bringing over a bunch of beer uh from australia as well like uh tony deppin um Mm -hmm. is a someone i talk to now we don't talk Mm -hmm. about wrestling he has an amazing brewery in Pennsylvania. Yep. I really want to try their beer. So because we're, we're not crossing paths, there's like a four-person chain of custody for like a, a reverse beer delivery. Poor Jeff Cannonball is in the, <laughs> he's in the middle of it all and doesn't drink. So like, because yeah, apparently his brewery is like right in the middle of Pennsylvania. So like Jeff's getting beer from Tony 
and bringing it to H2O, and then I'm bringing beer from Australia to H2O <laughs> to give to Jeff to take all the way to the middle of fucking Pennsylvania to give to Tony. <laughs> That's so, wild. So, yeah, right? And then, like, Casanova Valentine used to work at, like, one of the biggest and best craft breweries in New York, but drinks PBR like a fucking degenerate. So, right. yeah. Yeah, and like you said, like <laughs> yeah. you said, in the middle is the straight-edge vegan dude. Yeah, and then Paul Jeff Cannibal. Just gonna <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, Jeff, can you mule, mule this case of beer around for me? <laughs> right. Exactly. Joel, thank you so much for giving us your time, man. It's been it's been amazing, dude. We could do like a five-hour podcast. I swear. <laughs> I agree. Anytime, Hello. my friends. Absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, man. You're the man. Uh, so glad to have you on. Can't wait to meet you. Uh, we get to do this in person in a couple of weeks. It's going to be sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Can't, can't wait till you get here, Joel. And uh, if I can break away from doing my daddy daycare duties here, I'll be down there at the H2O Center to see you too. But Excellent. Either way, you're going to kill it. I'll be watching on IWTV if I'm not there. But, Joel, I know you're going to kick some ass when you get here, man. Be safe. Have a good night, brother. Can't wait, my friends. I'll see you in person in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.